Well, good morning, and I am just so jazzed about being up here this morning. Six weeks ago, when Pastor Doug asked me to share, um, and he was putting together this little five-week thing, and he goes, and by the way, you're going to kind of not be one of the pillars. And I felt like, well, okay, am I like chopped liver, extra, what am I, you know? Um, but then when he told me the subject that I was going to preach on, I thought, oh, please, can we give that to someone else? <laughs> because it was when you get and you have an opportunity to talk about God's love, it's so incredible. But this morning, I'd like to just start out briefly telling a little bit about myself. Um, I am Rick Alexander. I'm one of the elders here at Harvest Bible Chapel. I've been here um, with Harvest since the second service. In the theater, in the closets, and everywhere else that we were over in that theater. Um, But started back then. Uh, I've been married for 36 years, getting ready to turn 37, September 22nd, 2016. (laughs) Um, Yes, thank you. Um, to my beautiful wife sitting down here all in pink for me. Uh, I'm a father of two beautiful children. Um, My son is here this morning with his wife, and my daughter is currently in Canada. Um, I don't know what she's doing. She just keeps moving. I'm not sure what she just keeps going, and she's very, she sings uh, professionally. She's a, she's a, a, a classical opera singer. And so she does that along with several other things that she does. And so I'm just not sure where she is. I just know what, she, I don't know what she's doing. I just know where she is. Um, and my son, who's sitting in the front row with his beautiful wife, Erin. Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have a beautiful family. Uh, I also got a grand dog. Uh, his name is Stuart. <laughs> He's a little Scotty. He's quite the little tater. Um, I am a retired veteran of the United States Air Force after 20 years. I retired back in 1994. Thank you. Um, I'm currently an HR manager at the uh, e-commerce, the brand new e-commerce facility in Plainfield. Brand new. We started uh, over there in July of 2015. I've been with Walmart in March. I'll have been with them for 15 years. I've been in the ministry for a while. Uh, I had an opportunity while I was in the military and when I was serving in Italy. The large portion of of my time in the military, I did serve overseas. Um, I was in the electronic intelligence, if anybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. If you ask my wife, she'll give it to you in layman's terms. She'll tell you that I was a spy. Um, And I told her when I got out of the military that I wasn't ever going to wear a badge and I've been wearing a Walmart badge for 15 years. But that's okay. But I spent a lot of time in the ministry over there. I also, besides my job that I did, I had an opportunity to pastor in an interim basis, a Christian Servicemen Center, which was affiliated with the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, and had an opportunity to share the love of God with service members and their families that didn't attend the chapel on base, which was very fundamental and very traditional. And uh, if you know anything about me, Uh, The Lord is just, he doesn't allow me to stand still. And right now this, hanging on to this pulpit is quite the deal. Because I'm getting ready to go. 
But a few months ago, I had one of the people, one of the, one uh, good friend that attends here at Harvest, and uh, I was a part of the choir at that time, and, and uh, she made a comment to me. She goes, Rick, you know, you need to set a trend <clears throat> with all those young guys in the choir. You know, you need, to, you need to come on a Sunday morning, and when you're up here singing, you need to come to church with a pair of skinny jeans and a pair of Chuck Taylors. <laughs> First, I'd never, ever, notice I don't have skinny jeans on, and I don't have a set of Chuck Taylors. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> so then I'm thinking this week, okay, what do I wear? Because we got all these young pastors, you know, even Doug. Doug's young too. <laughs> Where'd he go? It's like, where's Waldo? You know, where's Doug? You got to find him. But, you know, and it's just, it's just amazing. The love, and it's just amazing what God does in your life through just being a part of the ministry and watching the fine, fine young men that enter this pulpit every Sunday. They love God from the bottom of their heart. The last thing I have is I, just, I also had the opportunity as part of my ministry with which the Lord has taken me through as I was in a prison ministry for many years. Was in minimum minimum, medium, and maximum security prisons in, in New Mexico. And had a chance to be a part of the Chuck Colson prison ministry for a little while. One of the most humbling parts of the ministry that I've ever been in. God changed my life forever. Each time I entered into that prison. Because you know what? Those individuals that are in there need Jesus as much as you. We're no different. God loved, loves them the same way he loves us. His son died for them the same way he died for us. All of us have done something wrong. They just got caught. But this morning, I just, I am so blessed to have been granted so much. But this morning, I feel so humbled to have the opportunity to share God's word, and I'm asking for your grace. This morning is not about me, but the Lord. I have had so much incredible encouragement in prayer, whether it was in emails or texts or phone calls this week saying, Rick, we're praying for you. Now I know why my wife put the Kleenex on the counter this morning and asked me if I needed it. Nah, I want to be a man. Say, no, I don't need no Kleenex. I'm going to make it without crying. Well, I haven't made it past the first point. <laughs> but this is not an unusual place for me, but it is a very humbling one. I have the opportunity every day to spend time with hundreds of people in the fulfillment center and live in their world but for a moment. And love is but... A catch-all word. When nothing else fits their display of emotion. Now this morning before I go any farther. Guys and gals, I know that today is Valentine's Day. So some of you have probably not bought your cards yet. Or you haven't bought your candy yet. 
or you haven't bought whatever it is you're supposed to be buying. But I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do something that I believe from the bottom of my heart is more precious than candy cards, flowers, whatever you give. Nothing wrong with all that stuff. But I think one of the things that gets lost is telling that person, that special person in your life that you love them. So I would ask that we just take a moment, just for a second, and if that child of yours or, that, or your wife or that significant other is sitting next to you, I would encourage you to look at them and tell them, I love you. Now, if the person next to you is somebody you have no idea who they are, <laughs> this little exercise is going to get uncomfortable. <laughs> but then tell them that Jesus loves them. Okay? I love you, babe. Love you, bud. Love you, Aaron. There. Okay, come on back. You're done. I just said I love you, not the whole story here. Come back. Come back. There you go. You came back quicker than the first service. They just want to keep telling each other, talking to everybody around them, getting out of control. But life can be seen in so many different experiences of our life. For me, one of the things where God's love shined the, the greatest and some of the brightest was the night that I drove the stake in the ground. When I gave my life to the Lord when I was nine years old at Trout Lake Camp in northern Minnesota, I remember the light, I remember the bench, I remember my counselor. When you come in contact with God at a moment of decision, you don't forget it. You don't forget that time when he reached in and he took your heart and he changed it. Another time that I believe with all my heart when God showed his love for me was on September 22nd, 1979. When I stood face to face with my bride-to-be, I remember the day, I remember it was in the middle of the afternoon, I remember the pastor standing on my right and there was nothing was gonna get in my way of looking at my wife. And when I looked at her and we exchanged our I do's, I saw God's love in her eyes. I looked beyond, she was gorgeous. Oh, there was nobody as beautiful as her. But God, right then, gave me a precious gift. And I would encourage you this week, I, she didn't know this, she doesn't know this, but I pulled open our wedding album this week and I went back and I sat there and I looked at my wedding pictures. If you want to know God's love, go back to that day. Another time God demonstrated his love for me was the day that my daughter was born. I was standing in there, and I know we have some nurses in the room, and, and probably some doctors too. But I was standing there, and I, I cannot even exist when I see blood. <laughs> I'm out of here. It shows up, I'm gone, okay? Don't ask me to help anybody that's hurt, because I'll check out. I'll pass out, Larry, I'm out of here. Well, I'm sitting there and we're standing in the, in the, getting ready for my daughter to be born and I'm standing at my wife's head and we've gone through all the classes and I was pumped and I was ready to go. We were breathing. We were doing the whole nine yards. And the doctor goes to move me. 
I'm very comfortable up there by her head. The doctor goes to move me and he says, this is where, <laughs> he says, this is where I need you to be because I'm going to hand you your daughter. <laughs> All right. So I moved down there and I look at the nurse and I said, ma'am, what if I pass out? She goes, we just kick you out of the way and we move on. So they moved me out of the, I mean, and I remember because I stood there and all of a sudden when it was over, I know why guys, and here's the real deal. I know why your wife puts numbers on a sheet of paper so that you can call people once the child is born, right? How many have got numbers in their pockets so you don't forget numbers? I did. Well, nowadays you just push a button on your phone. My, my daughter was born back before iPhones, you know what I mean? But... I go out in the hallway. I'm getting ready to start calling and talking. All I do is dial the number. My mother-in-law picks up the phone. She goes, Rick. <laughs> I couldn't even communicate a word. All she said to me was, we'll be right down. <laughs> and they showed up at the hospital. It was an incredible. And when the Lord, when I looked at my daughter, it was incredible. And then when my son was born, I thought, I got this now, guys. I know which end I need to be on. I know where I need to go, and I'm going to get him. And I didn't know it was my son at that point in time. I said, whatever comes out, God, he's a gift from you. Well, out he comes, and the nurse goes to hand him to me, and I went down the hallway like this. <laughs> Wasn't quite ready to embrace the little tater yet. They still needed to kind of do whatever they do. But I saw the love of God in both of my children. And then God showed up when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. In May of this year, she will be cancer-free for six years. God showed up. But the awesome part about it is what's so beautiful is the church. His bride showed up. In so many different ways. This, his church, showed up in so many different ways. Whether it was to sit there while she went through chemotherapy, whether it was prayer, whatever it was, God's love manifested itself in so many different ways. Because God's love moves people to do things. When you focus on who he is and not who you think you are, Things change. Things change. When I got my We Are Unrestrained, a couple of the members of my small group that Sunday morning, they, when uh, I believe Doug, Doug talked about who was going to do what, and after the service, a couple of my small group members came up to me and said, unrestrained? You? There's no way that you can be unrestrained. They're right. There isn't a part or a fiber of my body that doesn't cry out that God be manifested in my life continually all the time. Lord, show me. Do I fall? Yes, I do. But the greatest part about it is, is when I look up, his hands are reaching out to me. 
When I fall, he's always there. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He is a God that loves me in spite of my faults. Now you say, Rick, you, now this morning, let me tell you what, well, before we get started, I do need to pray. Lord, please, let's pray. Father, this morning as we open your word, as we get, we get ready to dive into who you are and Father, your love. Father, this morning, it's such a joy to know that in spite of who we are, you love us. And this morning, Father, anoint your word. Father, move me out of the way. Take me aside. And may you shine from your throne into this building this morning. Father, your praise was glorious And you are the center of it all. And it's all because of you, Father, that we even gather. And Father, this morning, may you be seen in a special way. In your precious name I pray. Amen. So I could have gone, and we could have preached from Genesis 17 or 18, Abraham and Sarah, good story. Great story. We could have gone to Jacob and Rachel, Ruth and Boaz. I like that story, by the way. Adam and Eve, Mary and Joseph, Isaac and Rebecca, or else we could have just preached the book of Solomon. Larry, we wouldn't have been here very long, right? Well, now, see, I got this counter. I'm not sure I like this counter deal. That means I got to be done at a certain time. Well, here's the deal. The scripture this morning... Is Genesis 1 1 through Revelation 22 21. <laughs> yeah, we are going to the Word. So if you got anything in the oven at home, you're in trouble. Now, I'm teasing, I do have to watch this, or, or Chris sends electric shocks or something. I'm not sure what he does. <laughs> but. Could have done all those. Could have picked one of those stories. But this morning, let's tell the whole story. Let's tell the story from when, in the beginning, God. And God is love. And what is Revelation 22, 21? What's the last word? Amen. He started it and he's going to finish it when he's ready. But guess what? We're all a part of the story. Every single one of us have our own chapter. We have our own period of time within his story. How's yours going? How's your chapter coming out? Struggling? Loving it? Know that in spite of whatever you think, is going on, is still in God's story. And he still has an influence on your story. Let your story be his story. Let him tell your story. How does he do that? By other people seeing Jesus' love manifested through you. Because they tell others, and others tell others, and others tell others. How do you think so many have come here to his place? 
There's many that have said, you know, I got an invitation by somebody else. Or, you know what, there's something about this person that brought me that's different. And I thought I'd come and find out what it is. Well, you're here. Now it's all up to God. And he uses each one of us to manifest his love. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. So this morning, let's peel away, okay? Guys, gals, let's just peel away all of our excuses as to why we push God out of our situations. We think, well, we got it. We're good. Or my situation, God doesn't have time for. Let's peel all that away. Let's become transparent and let God this morning reach in, take your heart, and do what he wants to do, not what we want to do. Romans 8, 38, or 8, 35 to 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, could we spend a whole sermon series on that series of verses? Absolutely we could. But if you find anything that does not fall under, that falls out from under one of these things where God's love can't be reached, let me know. Because I think Paul got it. Paul says, I'm convinced, are you, that the situation that you're in right now, God can help you with? Are you convinced of that? Or are you willing to struggle? And say, well... God will get to it eventually. The love of God in that verse is described very, in the context that it's written. It's unspeakable. I can't understand it. I don't understand why he loves me. I don't, I don't. But I do know and I've experienced it that I can never be separated from God. From his love. I'm going to tell you. Y'all can interact. If it's amen brother give it to me. <laughs> We're not. I, I want you. If it's in your heart you speak. Let's go. Because this is God. This is his house. It's unending. God's love is eternal. Jeremiah 31.3 says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. He doesn't stop. On Sunday afternoon. And pick up again Sunday morning. He loves you. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all week, all the time. Even in the darkest of times, he loves you. He'll be there. Guarantee it. Whenever you need him to be. His un, it's unselfish. 
It asks for nothing in return. Our world today, quid pro quo, this for that. You give me this, I'll give you that. You give me this, I'll give you that. It never was like that, and it's never been like that. He started it. There was nothing else there but him. He started it. He defined it. He's the one that puts it all into perspective for us when we get into right relationship with him. And what does that mean? I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. It's unmerited. Cannot be earned or deserved. His love is based in his grace. His love is based in his grace. He loves you. And he loves me. It's unconditional. It's not based on what we can or cannot produce. It comes from the heart of God. God loved us first. We can't claim that. He loved us first. He loved us anyway. And he loves us eternally. You may not like yourself, but God loves you. You may not like who you are or what you're going through or what you've done, but God loves you. And his love will bring you to a point where you can say there's no other way. There's nothing else I can do. I can't fight this battle anymore. He's loved me enough. He's been there every time I've needed him to be there. It's time for me to drive the stake in the ground. Jesus, I'm yours. And find that place where his love makes sense to you. And it's not an abstract thought. It's not something that you say, well, people tell me you love me. Okay, show me, God. He's not, a, he's not a someone that you just go, okay, God, show me. He's there when you're ready to receive what he's ready to do in your life. Because sometimes there's things that he's going to do in your life that you don't, whoa, that isn't what I ask for. If you ask, be ready. Because he loves you enough to do it the way that's going to have the greatest impact on your life. Keep doing that. So what I'd like to do for the next few minutes is I want to talk through five. When the love of God is present in the life of a believer, there's five ways that it manifests itself. Okay? It's just kind of our way, my way. I use this, I try to make sure that these five things are things that are driving who I am in Christ. Number one. Love for the Savior. Desire to be immersed in the love of God. Sit for like two seconds. Just find some time in your day when you just spend time just alone with him. Don't say a word. And allow God to minister to you with his love. What happens? You say, well, Rick, what does this look like? Well, your actions change. When you have a love for the Savior, your actions change who you are. Your speech changes. Your perspective changes. All of a sudden, those things that were so easily discarded or those things that you weren't willing to battle for, your children, your things, whatever, in those circumstances, when you say, oh, I just don't have it anymore. I can't put up with this anymore. 
Let your love for the Savior change who you are. Let your love change your speech. Let your love for God change your actions. He will help you. John 14, 15, if you love me and keep my commandments. Revelation 2, 4, but if I have this against you, that you have left your first love. This relationship with Jesus isn't a, okay, I've accepted him today. I got it. I'm good for eternity. This is an endurance run. This is a journey. This isn't a one-day deal. God gave his all for you and I. Our, our goal and our desire in our life should be that everything I have is yours, Lord. Everything that I have is yours. And I love you. Number two, love for the scriptures. How many believe this is alive? Okay, let me try that again. I'm gonna try that. How many people believe this is alive? This is God's word. This is something that in, in and of itself, yes, it's written on pieces of paper, but when you apply it and you place it in your heart and you put it in there, in those moments of struggle and trial, they manifest themselves and they all of a sudden come to your remembrance. Meditating and, and hiding the word of God in your heart is loving God because the scripture means so much to you. John 5, 39 says, you, re- you research the scriptures because you think in them you'll have eternal life. But it is these that bear witness of me. Search God's scripture. Find that place that this becomes a major part of your very being every single day. As Pastor Rick shared when he was here for the unapologetic preaching part, attend the word of God as a priority, not as a byproduct of whatever time you have left in your day. Accept the word of God as the anointed word of God. If it says it, it's God's word. Embrace the word of God. When he shares those things where you read them and you go, ooh, that hurt. I'm not sure that that's really what he meant. Embrace the word of God as, and that's what I love so much about Pastor Doug. Because when he goes to the word of God, and I remember when he started the Revelation series, he says, you know what, we're going to put aside all that. This is what we're going to teach. And this is what we're going to preach. We're going to preach what it says in here. Apply the word of God and appreciate the word of God. In that moment when it's tough and all of a sudden that scripture comes to your mind, give God the glory. Don't miss an opportunity to thank God for what he has done in your life. Next, love for the sanctuary. This is a place of rest, refuge, worship, and restoration. Say, Rick, what does that look like? The conflict of should I go or not is never a question. 
Because it is an opportunity to be available for God to use you however he needs to. It's not whether I want to go or, you know, oh gosh, I'm not sure. It's because I know who's already there. I know who's going to meet me at the front door. And it's going to bless the time that I take to share with somebody. How many have seen many times I've been out and I'm watching in the lobby area. And there's people spending time. The service hasn't even started, Marlon. And people are out there praying. People are recognizing the need that it's not up to the pastors to do it all or the, the small group leaders or the, or the teachers in the kids ministry. There is about every single one of us taking the opportunity to share God's love. What are we waiting for? When you share God's love, something comes alive in you. Something says that person sees you and they go, something's different about them. Now, granted, there's probably people this morning they're going saying there's something wrong with that guy up front. <laughs> and I hope you do because it's God's love inside of my heart that says to you he loves you. Do not miss an opportunity, please. When he gives you an opportunity and somebody walks up to you and says, Rick, I got a tough thing going on. Well, let me find you a pastor. You just missed a blessing. You missed an opportunity for God to use you. Why are we afraid to let God use us? Well, I, I don't know the Bible that very, I don't know the Bible very well. I don't know this, I don't know that. We make excuses. Can I tell you what? If you don't do it, God's gonna get somebody else that will. And they're gonna move and they're gonna get the blessing that you could have had. When you come into the house of God, what's so exciting is I loved when Pastor Nick preached. Because he said, when you come and it's unashamed worship, you see the Lord. Not because these guys are phenomenal musicians and they're phenomenal singers, but all of a sudden the words that they're singing are about him. And you see the Lord and then all of a sudden you hear the Lord. The words come off the screen and out of their mouths and they begin to, they start to penetrate our hearts and the sermon hasn't even started. What are we waiting for? We don't have to wait until Pastor Doug gets up here for God to start to minister to us. Unashamed worship is letting God in from the beginning of the, of the time here. And then responding to the Lord. When God begins to move during praise and worship, he has a purpose. And he starts from the very first note that they play. We are so blessed in this place with the, with the men and the women and the children that, that when they come up here, there's nothing special up here, by the way. I'm just being honest with you. This is God's house. And when they come up here, they come up here and they sing with all they got. It's a blessing to listen to the children of our church sing. How about it, right? Ain't it awesome to watch them? Because they, they're singing from a, from a sense of child innocence. What we tell them, what they see, is what they live. Did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. Love for the saints, a sense of unity. The command to love one another rolls up into all of God's instructions about human relationships. 
But Christ's love is more than just words or feelings. It is deeds and truth. What does that mean? Rick, tell me what that means. Whoever, whatever, wherever, however, whenever. Say, Rick, okay, what did you just say? There isn't, a, there isn't a time, there isn't a place, there isn't a situation that's outside of God's love. And when he calls you and I in to share our love, to share what it is that he's put into our life, it doesn't matter where it is or what it is or who it is. When we start secluding ourselves from, from people, places, things, all of a sudden we start to cut short God's ability to use us. Remember that first, what's the first word in Romans 8.35? Who can separate us from the love of God? It doesn't say what, where, when, and how, all those things. It says who? We. We could be that who that separates ourselves from God. Loving others is often uncomfortable. And pretty painful. I had a young man when I, was in, when I was in the prison ministry. One night I was preaching on John 3.16 and we were sitting there and we were going through and all of a sudden I got to the end, coming near the end and the conclusion of the sermon. And all of a sudden I told the group as a whole, there must, I don't know, there's probably a section about like this. And I looked at them all and I said, Jesus loves you. And this 23-year-old man was sitting in the front row and he broke just started a ball. He crawled away. He leaned over into his hands and he cried. He cried through the last song. He cried and he sat there and he cried until it was all done. And after it was over with, I walked up to him because I just felt like there was some ministry that needed to be done and he wasn't going anywhere. He stayed. He stayed until he realized, until he felt like God was done with him. Sometimes we cut God short. Oh, I got another appointment. Stop, let God finish. Well, in this particular situation, I went up to him and I asked him. I didn't know his name. I said, young man, I said, I'm just curious. I said, are you all right? What's going on? He looked at me and he said, Pastor Rick, he said, I need to tell you. I don't know where my mother is. I don't know where my father is. I ended up in a bad situation. I ended up in the wrong place, wrong time, wrong people. And now I'm in prison for the next six years. He goes, I've never been told Jesus loved me. He said, as a matter of fact, my mother and father, I don't even know who they are. Neither one of them told me they loved me. I don't know what that means. But all of a sudden tonight, for the first time, I figured out that somebody gave their son to die for me. And that he loves me. And that young man, from that moment, we sat down and we kneeled and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He drove the stake in the ground. I'm gonna tell you what, he didn't miss a service after that, Larry. He was there every Friday night. He was standing in line. When you go into the prison, they make you stand on a line to go into the service. And you have to stand there. And there were some nights, Marlon, when they stood there out in the rain, because they wanted to go to church. They wanted to be where God was. And when you stand in there and you got razor wire above your head and you've got cells clanging and going on, you gotta, in that moment, you see God in a way that 
you never see him any other way. And then the last is love for the sinners. Disciples making disciples. Always be aware of the opportunity to share your story. Many times we see the boy or the girl. There's situations where there's, well, somebody else will take care of that. We see the young man that's struggling with life. Well, that, we'll leave that up to Pastor Cody. He'll take care of it. He's, a, he's the youth pastor. He's a disciple, or the student ministry. But what if it was your own child? The effort that you would put into it would be, in, would be where you would give your life. God gave his life for you and I. Where are we? Where is, love's, where is God's love in our life? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus had a heart for sinners. God's love is more than just being loved. It is opening our lives so that the Lord can, through us, show his love. Pastor Cody put it very, I just enjoyed his last week when he told me, and I really, he brought it into perspective to me. He, said, he goes, I'm called to be a witness. I'm not called to save anyone. I'm called to share my story. For some, it's time to get face down before God. For some, it's time to say, Lord, I gave you my life a long, long time ago, and you know what? I'm just kind of plowing along. But can I tell you, when God's love turns inside of you and gets a hold of you in a way that you can't control it, oh, my Lord, You won't be able to stop telling people what he's done for you, Marlon. You can't. It's alive. It becomes something that drives who you are. For some of us, and I, I have this little thing that I, that, I, that I do. I was looking at this and I was thinking, Lord, how can I show in a physical way? Because I can stand up here and I can talk and talk and talk, Right? I could. I really, really could. <laughs> but here's a lot of us. A lot of us, we get a little bit of God. We've got enough. We've got enough. We think that this is going to take care of whatever our situation is. This is how much we want. God, don't get too intrusive in my life. I love you enough, but let's keep you that much. Let's not get overboard here. I got a reputation. I don't want to get out of control where people think that's a fanatic. I will be a fanatic for God anytime I need to be. If God calls me to speak, I'm going to open my mouth. 
But for some, this is it. Even when it's tough, when things get tough in the midnight hour, when all of a sudden there's nothing else that you can do, you have no idea, you don't know where that daughter is, you don't know where that son is, you don't know where that spouse is, you have no idea what's going on. What am I gonna do tomorrow? I lost my job yesterday. What am I gonna do? God, where are you? He's right there, that little bit that you've allowed in. But can I tell you what? In those situations when that's going on, when you're sitting there narrowing God down and putting him into that much in your cup, he's willing to do this. He wants to continue to pour. And guess what? When it gets tough, he keeps pouring. And he keeps on going. And he says, you know what? Keep on singing. Keep on praying. Keep on sharing your testimony. Keep on doing it. Because I'm going to just keep on pouring my love into your life. I'm going to let you know in that darkest hour, I'm there. Oh, thought I had water in there, didn't you? (laughs) But in that moment, when everything you've given it your all, he continues to pour into you. He's not going to leave you alone. If you're bothered this morning and say, that's a crazy man on the stage, good. (laughs) I'm sorry. God's love is something that we should never be afraid of. Because when he begins to pour it into your life, you change. You change. And what happens is, is we've... We've shared for the last few weeks when we talked about unashamed worship. I'm going to tell you what. The group that sat behind me this morning, praise God, you all know how to worship. (laughs) This whole area, I just stopped for a few minutes and just listened. They were singing with all they had. And then when Pastor Rick came up and he talked about unapologetic preaching, the word of God is alive. It's alive and it wants to be a part of the very fabric of your being. And every one of us have a story. Don't be ashamed of your story. Don't be ashamed because there's people that need to hear your story. And if it's just one, if it's just one that needs to hear your God love story, Tell it, tell it with everything you got. Don't shy away. And then when it's time to pray, put your face down before God Almighty. Say, Lord, here I am, use me. Use me to tell the greatest love story that's ever been written and start telling them from Genesis 1-1 and take them all the way to Revelation 22-21 and take your time. Because it's a journey. It's a journey. This morning we're going to bring the service to a close a little different. There's going to be some pictures that are going to present themselves up behind me from the beginning of this place where God has manifested his love in so many different ways. And you'll see people laughing, people praying. That's what harvest 
Bible Chapel in the West is all about. It's spending time with each other, loving one another, praying with one another. Let's just take just a moment and we'll be done here in just a second.